I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me first to Exodus chapter 20. As I mentioned in our prayer, we'll be considering the third commandment uh, today, or as we've been calling them, the, ten- the third word of God's covenant. So Exodus chapter 20. And then we're going to turn to one verse of the New Testament in Colossians. But first, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 7. And just before we read this commandment, I want to just remind you of the point that we've been stressing as we've been thinking about the Ten Commandments. And it's this, that God establishes a relationship with his people, with you, uh, which we call a covenant. And this covenant relationship does not begin with your obedience. It does not begin with God's commandment, but rather it begins with God's grace shown to us ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. It begins with God saving an undeserving people. It begins with God loving his enemies and even Christ dying for us while we walked as rebels against him. That's where the relationship begins. And in light of what God has done for us, we are then called by his grace then to honor and glorify him, to walk holy And to love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. And so these commandments then come to us within the context of God's covenant of grace. They're clothed as it is in Christ as they come to us. And by Christ's spirit, we're enabled to walk in these ways that we might glorify our God. So that's the context as we hear the third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7. It says there to God's people, you shall not take the name of of the Lord Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We're going to turn now to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And if the third commandment put it negatively, here we have a call to us put positively. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says as a conclusion, and we'll kind of summarize this when we get to the actual sermon here, but Paul concludes this, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So far from God's holy word, we're going to turn now to our catechism in the back of your hymnal to Lord's Day 36. You should find that on page 890. I'll read the questions and uh, the two questions there, and we'll, we'll, we'll respond together with the answers. So, question 99 What is God's will for us in the third commandment? That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In summary, we must use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Question 100. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such a serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it? Yes, indeed, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. So far from our catechism. 
Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, the word vain here is the same word we find in Ecclesiastes, right? Vanity of vanities. It's a word that captures the idea of something being light or empty or really simply nothing. And what's being conveyed here to God's people is that as God has given them his name in covenant, they are not to treat that name as a light thing. They are not to carry God's name as they live, work, study, and play as if it is nothing, as if it is a trite thing, as if it is merely just vain. Rather, to put it positively, God's people, as they have been given God's name, as God's name has been given to you, you are to carry God's name as if it, is, as if it has, and because it does, have great weight. The word here, take, right, you should not take the name, is the same word of carrying or bearing. And so positively, the commandment calls us then to carry God's name with its full weight, wherever we may ultimately go. You see, the name of God is a, is a um, summary of the character of God and the person of God as he has revealed himself to his people. It is not a light thing, but a weighty thing. It's not an empty thing, but a full thing. And God's name has been placed upon his people that they might carry it wherever they go. In Exodus 34, verses 5 and 7, the Lord appears to Moses on the mountain, and it says this, that the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, right? So God is proclaiming his name in the cloud to Moses. It says that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, which if you're looking at your Bible is all caps, which is God's covenant name, Yahweh, Yahweh a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. You see, when God proclaims his name to Moses, that name is not empty, but it's full of who God is as merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, but also one who is holy, one who also does not clear the guilty, who is indeed righteous. All of this is summed up in God's name. Now in the fullness of time, God revealed himself in all the more clarity to us as he sent forth his son, his eternal son. And that name became all the more clear as we come to know him as our father. That name is then that which we have come to know with more fullness because of Jesus Christ. Now, in light of that, I want us to think about three things briefly, since it's our catechism sermon and these can only be so long. Uh, but three things I want to think about in terms of carrying God's name. First, that we have been baptized into the name. Second, that we are to do all things in the name. And thirdly, that we are to do all things for the name. So into the name, in the name, and for the name are going to be our three uh, brief points as we think uh, through this commandment 
and its relevancy uh, for our lives as his people and as those uh, who have come to know him and his name. So first, we are baptized into God's, uh, into the name of God. Uh, Many of us are familiar with the uh, Great Commission as Jesus um, calls his church to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that you have been baptized into the name of our triune God? What does it mean to, to be baptized into a name? What's conveyed here is the reality that we have been brought into fellowship with God. In many ways, this is God's covenant with his people. To be, to be baptized into the name of the triune God is to come into a living and vital relationship with your God. To be united to your God and to come to have fellowship with him. This is what it means to be baptized into his name. And therefore, as baptized into his name, you have fellowship with God. You know God. This is conveyed to us in Colossians, for example, where it talks about our union with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, it says that if with, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, and then in chapter 3 it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's that's pictured for us in baptism. You have died and your life is now found in Christ, hidden with God in heaven. So that when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is conveying to us what it means to be incorporated, baptized, brought into the name of God. And for all who have trusted in Jesus Christ, you've been baptized into his name. You have died with him and you've been raised with him. That is your identity. That is the starting point then of this commandment. Just as it was long ago, right? God brought his people into his name, and so too we are brought into God's name as the starting point of this commandment. It begins with the grace of God bringing us to himself. Gerhardus Voss summarizes it this way, just to put a point on this. He says, To baptize into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit means that the person is brought into fellowship with and under the authority of him in whose name he is baptized. Through baptism, believers from all nations are brought to the triune God as his own possession. And since baptism signifies an intimate relationship with this God, it is obvious that it presupposes faith and cannot be applied indiscriminately, right, without those who having professed faith. And so we are baptized into his name, 
into the name of Christ. We have died with him. We have been raised with him. But secondly, then, we are, because of that reality, because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we are then called to do everything, as Colossians 3.17 says, we are to do everything in word and in deed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really a marvelous thing that Paul is proclaiming here. That phrase, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is actually drawing from the Old Testament. God's people would do things in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, oftentimes saying, in the name of the Lord, your God. But Paul teaches us that the Lord is, of course, Jesus Christ, so that we are to do everything now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what this verse is doing in Colossians 3, verse 17, is calling us then to do everything in his name. And this verse then is is coming as a kind of summary of what God has been calling his, his people then to do. You know, the question is, what does it look like to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? What, is, what does that mean for us? Well, Again, reading the verses leading up to verse 17, notice what it says in verse 12. And as we read these verses, notice how as Paul expounds upon your life as a Christian, he does so in such a way that you reflect the glory and the ways of Jesus Christ, the one into whose name you have been baptized, into whose name you now belong and are to carry The Christian life is centered at every point, in every way, upon Jesus Christ, the one in whom you have believed and the one in whom you now exist, the one to whom you belong. So notice again the Christ-centeredness of the Christian life. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And because he does not give us an exhaustive list, right, he's listing out what this looks like, he then gives us this general principle. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, right? And so, we see then that the Christian, you are called to forgive because the Lord has forgiven you. You are to seek peace because Christ is the one who has established peace. You are to do everything in the name of the Lord, as it says, to be filled with his word. And that is then to inspire us to worship and glorify him. Right? You see, everything Paul is listing here, we cannot do apart from Christ, but in Christ. As our lives center upon him, we do everything in his name. And so, again, asking the question, what does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? 
Well, it does not simply mean just doing everything by the authority of Jesus. We often find this, especially in Pentecostal circles, right? In the name of Jesus, you know, I, can, I do this. It's not merely a matter of authority, but it's a life lived that reflects Jesus Christ and his person as one who is his disciple, right? It's not just a matter of doing things by the authority of Jesus. It's not merely just being a representative of Christ, but rather to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to do everything in the strength that he provides for you. It means then to do everything not relying on myself, but relying on Jesus as my Savior. Not to look to our flesh, but to walk by his Spirit who has been given to us. And more than that, not just doing everything in his name, meaning that we are to do everything in his strength, but also we are to live and do everything in the presence of Christ. It is, is it, it, because we carry his name, Christ is with us always. And his sovereign presence is around us wherever we go, whether we live, work, wherever we live, work, study, and play. To put it a different way, to do everything in the name of Jesus means that we are never to think of ourselves as alone. We're never to think of ourselves as hidden away. We are to instead always think about ourselves as Christ with us. And he's with us as Lord, right? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His sovereign presence is meant then to affect us, not simply to terrify us, right? Not simply then to keep us in fear of Christ is seeing everything I'm doing, but instead to encourage us and to motivate us. Because he who is with us is he who we love. And it's his glory that we desire to extend. It's his reign and rule in our lives that we desire. His presence and his nearness and his awareness of us as our Lord is meant to encourage and to motivate us, not merely to keep us in fear, though it ought to do that, right? It prevents us from going to places, doing things, saying things, because we know Christ hears and Christ is with me. But positively, it's meant to encourage us then to glorify him, to live lives submitted to his reign and to his rule, and to keep no part of our lives as if they are hidden from him. In, in, in our entirety, we belong to him. So what does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? It means then to do everything in his strength and knowing that he is with us, that his sovereign presence guides us. His sovereign presence determines what we are then to do, what we are to say in every situation, whether we are in church, of course, whether we are in the home, whether we are at school, whether we are at work, whether we're walking the streets, driving the car, Christ is with us as our Lord. And it's he whom we are to glorify. And that leads us then to our final point, right? We've seen that we are baptized into the name. We've died with him. We've been raised with him. We are then to do everything in his name with his presence around us. And finally, and we've kind of been touching on this already, we are to do everything for his name, for his name, into his name, in his name, and for his name. In Colossians chapter 3, later in verse 23, 
you get a sort of um, parallel verse to verse 17. It says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You see, as we live, work, study, and play, carrying the weighty name of the Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, and his presence is with us always, we are then to do everything for his name, for the advancement of his glory. That is our aim in everything we put our hands to. In every word that comes from our mouth, what it means to carry his name is that those words and those actions are going to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That there is not a single word we speak that does not bear upon the Lord Jesus Christ. What a weighty thing to think about. We're very flippant with our words, at least we can be. I don't want to give just a general uh, uh, conviction here. But it's very easy for our words to flow so quickly from our mouths, to respond so hastily to something, and to say something without thinking about it. Yet, our words, every single one of them that comes from our lips and is conjured up in our brains, all of those words are meant to glorify Jesus Christ. And so the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, can often seem like an easy commandment. You know, Mount Sinai was on fire, right? It was burning. And we often might think of the third commandment as like a sort of an ash that blew off of the mountain. And as it flows to us, it cools off and it lands on our skin unaffected, right? Not that, not that hot or it doesn't really burn us. But no, the third commandment is so much deeper as we've been trying to draw out. It's your covenant life. It's you living with the name of God. And it's you then called to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in everything you do and in everything you say. The whole entirety of you is meant to glorify him. That's the fulfillment of this commandment. And Christ is with us again, as we said in our second point, by his grace as our Lord, to then move us to glorify him. Because when we have come to die with him and to be raised with him, we have come to love his presence, love his nearness, love his reign, love his rule in our lives. So we do everything for his glory. John Calvin had said this in light of uh, Colossians 3.17. He said, Our life as a Christian, must be regulated in such a manner that whatever we say or do may be wholly governed by the authority of Christ and that we may have an eye to his glory as the mark. For we shall fitly comprehend under this term the two following things. One, that all of our aims may be set out with invocation of Christ and two, that all of our aims may be subservient to his glory. What are you aiming for when you speak? What are you aiming for when you act? Right? We do those things to affect change, right? You say something to affect change. You do something to affect change. You're aiming for something. As a Christian, as those who have died with Christ and been raised with Christ, your aim in everything is to be God's glory, to advance the glory of Christ. And so you have been baptized into the name. You are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are to do everything for his name, 
for his glory. I want to conclude with this great prospect, this great hope, because as we live such lives, right, and at times this way of living can be difficult. It's hard to carry God's name and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever you go. You know, we've been working our way through 2 Timothy, and Timothy, who has been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and his glory, Paul is constantly calling him and encouraging him not to be ashamed. Even as Paul proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and raised to the Romans, he says, right, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And at times the gospel and and carrying the name of Jesus can bring shame upon you. But it's only a shame that the world can put upon you. Because as we carry the name of Jesus, we spurn the praise of the world. We care less about the shame that they may bring upon us because we ultimately look forward to the glory that we will share in when Christ comes again. Paul says, when Christ, who is your life, you have died, but when Christ, who is your life, appears at the end of the age, when he cracks open the sky and comes for his people to judge the living and the dead, when he appears, then, and only then, you also will appear with him in glory. If you have died with him, then you have also been raised with him, and you also will appear with him in glory. So brothers and sisters, as we live in this city that makes light of the name of God, may we instead carry God's name wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say, bringing glory to the one who has saved us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your Son, that in the fullness of time uh, you sent him forth, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who are under the law, even us ourselves here. Father, as we have been baptized into the name of Christ and to the name of this Savior, the only Savior, uh, Father, we pray then that we would not count it a light thing, but that we would know the weight of carrying the name of Christ, and that we would do so then not in our own strength, but by his strength, by his Spirit walking and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, And that we might then do everything knowing that Christ is with us. That his sovereign presence might direct us. And his sovereign presence might determine our words in every situation, our actions, wherever we may be. And Father, as we speak and as we act, with aims, uh, with various aims, may they all be subservient to the glory of Jesus Christ. The one whose glory is beyond uh, the bounds of this earth one that cannot be contained, one that is eternal. And so, Father, may our minds and our hearts uh, be set upon Christ our Lord and his glory. And may we look forward to the day when he appears again and we appear with him in glory, unfading, everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.